All right. I know there's a little box, so I put a big picture of it up on top. You guys ever heard of this game? The Ungame. The Ungame. Half of you guys are like, no, what is that? And the other half are like, oh. Yeah, you know, it's one, it's one of two things. This is the Ungame. I grew up playing this game. Hear this. Hear this. I, I didn't say I grew up liking this game. I grew up playing this game. Game. If you can't read the small print, it says, not competitive, everybody wins. It's funny because I have written down, the ungame is a game where nobody wins. No winners, no losers, it's about feelings. It's about, woohoo, that's right. It's about building relationships. In fact, I, if you've never experienced it, I want to, okay? I mean, I want to. <laughs> Chris is shaking his head there. There's a couple of people. Elena, pick a card. Okay. Okay. What does it say? Choose one. Ask someone a question. Well, give me that. That's not the right one. Here. That's like a free play. Uh, there's a brand new deck. Brand new deck. Share a compliment you received recently. Do you want to do it? Um, you don't have to. I don't know if it's appropriate for Not appropriate for church. <laughs> hey, for those that don't make the connection, Nathan, who was talking about free Valentine's Day earlier, is her husband. <laughs> All right, just a card. Then you don't have to answer it. I just want people to experience what these cards are like. How does advertising affect your buying habits? How does advertising affect your buying habits? Okay. Chris, you shook your head. No, I'm not going to make you answer, but come on, just draw a card. All right. Talk about a childhood experience that changed you forever. Talk about a childhood experience that changed you forever. You get the, you get the feel of the game now? Yeah, yeah, no winners, no losers. Everybody wins, excuse me. Everybody wins. It's a game about relationships. Now, I grew up playing this game, and I'll be candid because my folks are listening. Um, I would groan inwardly and outwardly when this game came out because I have always been competitive to, the, to this day. I want a winner. I want a loser. I don't want everybody to get a ribbon. Not everybody deserves a trophy. Sorry, kids. But they all get candy. They all get candy if they... Yes. We're going we're gonna to have some fun this morning. This is going to be good. I didn't play this game for about a decade. Wonderful. It came out again at a large family gathering within the last year, my, my own large family gathering. And I, and I will tell you this, <coughs> excuse me, age changes a person, okay? I'm sitting there as a father and as, as, uh, as an older person seeing nieces, nephews answering some of these cards that come up. And I was floored at how much I got to know about these people. I mean, they're my immediate family. It's crazy. One of the cards that came up was uh, very similar to yours, Chris. It was, describe your childhood in three words. 
Very interesting, because I, I know my perspective of my childhood, but I didn't know my siblings' perspective. So I got to hear that. I got to understand that. Um, give me checkers any day, okay? But I have come to appreciate the ungame and the fact that it is about building relationships and getting to know other people. This morning, we start a series uh, looking at the life of Jacob. The life of Jacob. We're titling this series, The Story of Jacob, The Story of Us. I think Jacob is one of those characters in the story, in the grand story of Scripture, that you may know, okay? But unless you sit down with him in a box of ungame cards, you don't really know him. So my hope is over these next several weeks, we get to truly know him, and I hope that because I think that there's a lot of his story in our story. This morning, we're going to experience Jacob's life through his take, or my perception of his take, of describing his life in three words, not just his childhood, but his entire life, okay? Three words to describe Jacob's life. Before we do that, I'd like to ask God's blessing on his time and in, in, in our time and his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for where you're taking us this year. Uh, thank you for where you're taking us today. Thank you for giving us your story, both the grand story and the smaller chapters that we get to be a part of uh, here in 27, 2018, excuse me, First Church. I pray, Lord, that this morning we would see our stories intertwined with Jacob's story. I pray you'd help me to share what you want heard today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I really think that if we were to sit down with Jacob over a good cup of coffee and we were to say to him, hey, Jacob, tell me your life in three words. I think he would narrow it down to these three words. Barren, broken, and blessed. Barren, broken, and blessed. I'm just going to tell you the story of Jacob today because we're going to cover Genesis 25 through Genesis 50. The story starts in the beginning. You know the story. In the beginning, God creates. He creates humanity. He wants to be in a relationship with them. Humanity sins, breaks relationships. So God has to take, his, uh, take into his own hands the restoration of that relationship. And he does so with a mulligan, with a do-over. He does a, he does a flood. And then, years later, he chooses a man a specific family, and says, I want to reveal myself to the world through this family. Chooses a guy named Abraham. And he says, hey, Abe, I think you're good, but I want to make you great. Okay? I'm going to give you a son. This was a crazy promise because Abraham was old. I'm going to give you a son, and, and from there, you're going to have as many descendants as the stars in the sky and the sand on the, on the seashore. And I'm going to bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and I'm going to bless the world through you. That was the covenant. Now, eventually, God gave Abraham this promised son. His name was Isaac. Some interesting stories between Isaac and Abraham. You can read those on your own. Isaac grows up, hits the ripe, old, marrying age of 40. Back then, that was a good age to get married. And he gets married to a woman named Rebekah. Only problem is... Don't call it a problem. The only hiccup is Rebecca can't have kids. She's barren. See this in Genesis 25, the first half of verse 21. It says, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. Barren. This is the beginning of Jacob's story. A wife who can't have kids and a husband who pleads to God over and over and over to allow his wife to have kids. 
And we get to see this in the rest of the verse. Genesis 25, verse 21, all of it. I hope I wrote it. There it is. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. Now the Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. So Jacob is born out of barrenness. Remember that. But the story continues. Very next verse. Verse 22. It says, But the two children struggled with each other in the womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. Why is this happening to me? Now, when I read this, I sense, I, I feel, I observe the word broken. Okay, because broken to me is when something doesn't work the way it should. Broken is when something is messed up. Broken isn't just shattered pieces on the floor. Broken is what makes you exclaim, really? That's not the way it's supposed to be. To me, that's broken. Brothers are supposed to get along. Brothers should be on each other's team. Brothers should fight for, for each other, not against each other, especially when they're womb mates, okay? When they are still in utero. I realize I'm living in my own little happy world, okay? Let me live there for a little bit. If you don't know, I'm a twin. I have a twin sister. We were womb mates, and I remember it vividly. Mm. Never once did we fight before we came out into open air. That's the way it should be. But here we get broken. Broken. When a mommy has to ask God, why is this happening to me? Something's not right. Barren, broken, and the very next verse, verse 23. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. Blessed. Blessed. Getting something you don't deserve. Being awarded a prize that doesn't belong to you. The younger son is blessed. In that culture, in that day, all the rights, all the privileges, all the perks went to the oldest son. Never would an older son serve the younger son. And yet that's what happens in verse 23. That's what God says is going to happen. So the younger son in this story gets something that he does not deserve. Therefore, he is blessed. And that younger son is Jacob. Jacob and Esau. We're going to pick up our story a little bit, pick up the pace, and I'd encourage you this week, go home and take the week, read Genesis 25 to 35, and then 47 to 50. That's the story of Jacob. You can do that to check and make sure I'm not uh, fabricating any parts of this, okay? So do that. Twins are born. Esau is first. Jacob is second. Jacob's name sounds like the Hebrew word for heel. Because as he comes out second, he's grasping Esau's heel. It also sounds like the Hebrew word for deceiver. And you'll see soon why that fits him. The twins were born. The twins grew. Esau was a manly man. He liked to hunt. He liked to be outdoors. He loved just everything that had to do with outside. Jacob preferred to stay close to home. 
preferred to stay near the tents. The text itself says he had a quiet temperament. What you need to hear is there's absolutely nothing wrong with either of those guys. In that culture, both of those temperaments were good. Both were praised. Okay? Both were strengths. Simply how the text described the boys. Got it? Both are like, yes. And then we get to the next verse. Chapter 25, verse 28. And it says this. Did I write it? Hey, so here's the beautiful thing that's going on right now, okay? Part of our, part of our process of raising up young people, of raising up disciples who follow Jesus, is allowing them opportunities to serve. We have Ezri, who is serving back there, and you know what? It is totally not her fault that that verse didn't get up there. Is that right? It's my fault. <laughs> so we're also raising up leaders who don't have it all together. Yeah. Amen to that. Genesis 25, 28 is a very simple verse. It says this, Jacob loved Isaac, excuse me, Isaac loved Esau. Jacob loved Rachel. That's what the verse says. Isaac loved, he loved Rachel too. This is supposed to be a real deep and profound part of the message. <laughs> Rebecca. If I got it right, it would work, right? Here we go, Rebecca. Isaac loved Esau. Rebecca loved Jacob. Okay? Isaac loved Esau. Rebecca loved Jacob. There is absolutely nothing wrong with a mom loving her son. She should love her son, okay? Unrelentlessly. Dads, be careful. Be careful how you love your sons. According to Roland C. Warren, who was a board member of the National Fatherhood Initiative, every son needs to know four things from his dad. Does my son know that he matters to me? Does my son know that I love him? Does my son know that he is important to me? Does my son know that I am proud of him? what every son needs to know, that he matters, that he's loved, that he's important, and that his dad is proud of him. The verse says, Isaac loved Esau, Rebekah loved Jacob. Did Jacob live his entire life wondering the answers to those questions? Did he know if he mattered to his dad, if he was important to his dad, if he was loved by his dad, if his dad, Isaac, was proud of him? I put this little verse into the category of both barren and broken. Okay, barren, not because it has anything to do with babies, but because I picture a barren wilderness. Okay, the idea of a barren desert, there's no life there. There's no joy. It's unfruitful, unproductive. I have to wonder if Jacob's relationship with his father was barren, broken. And maybe I'm reading into the text a little bit, but I don't think I am. Broken because no parent should ever play favorites. And it appears that's what's going on in this text, okay? Broken and barren. That's verse 20, chapter 25, verse 28. 29, we begin the story that we're more familiar with, some of the stories where Jacob tricked his brother out of his birthright, okay? Birthright as a, four, as a firstborn son. That meant Esau would get twice the inheritance that Jacob would. And he tricked him out of it with a bowl of stew, the woodsman was hungry. He had came back famished, and the, the, the smart, I don't want to say the smarter brother, 
Okay? The other brother says, hey, trade me your birthright for this stew. And he did. Lived right into his name there. Taking advantage of a brother's grumbling stomach should not happen. That's broken. What's even more broken is the next story we see following that right down the line. It's when Jacob steals his older brother's blessing from his dying dad. Now, the blessing back then was the final words from the father that would last for a lifetime. It meant a ton. And we know the story of that one, okay? Dad sends the hunter to go get fresh game. Go out and kill me a buck. Go kill me a deer. Bring it back. Cook my favorite meal. Bring me a glass of wine. And when you get there, Daddy will give you your rightful blessing as the firstborn son. But Mom favors Jacob, right? She intervenes. She tells Jacob, go to the flocks. Get two of the finest goats. Bring them back. Kill them. I'll cook your dad's favorite meal. Then you go in and trick your dad to get the blessing. That's messed up. Somebody say amen. That is messed up. Jacob knew it was wrong. He resisted. His mom said, no, you go. In fact, don't only just go. Here's your brother's favorite outfit. Smells like woods. Okay? Put it on. Here's some gloves that'll make your dad think that your arms are your brother's arms. Here's a neck wrap that'll make your dad think that your neck is your brother's neck. Go do it. I wonder how alone, how barren, Jacob must have felt as he walked to the goat pen, as he picked out the two finest goats, as he brought them back to his mom. I wonder how barren and lost he would have felt as he put on his disguise, as he claimed that God himself had led him to these animals and brought him home so quickly. How messed up is it that mom wouldn't just suggest the trickery, but that she would do everything she could to make sure it happened without a flaw? There is a brokenness in that. Now, the crazy thing is, in this deceit, Jacob gets blessed. He gets blessed from his dad with an irrevocable blessing. Genesis chapter 27, verse 28 and 29 says this. This is the blessing from Isaac to Jacob. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests and grain of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed. Hashtag blessed, right? Half of you know what that is, the other half don't. Just go with it. Plenty of food, plenty of drink, power over others, rule over your, over your siblings. And oh, by the way, I'm going to give you the same blessing that God gave your grandpappy. I'm going to bless those who bless those, curse those who curse you. This is an irrevocable blessing. Did Jacob feel blessed in that trickery? Or did he feel barren? Did he feel broken? We know the story and how it goes. Jacob had to flee because his brother isn't happy. That's to say it nicely. His brother is livid. So he has to flee. But before he goes, his dad blesses him again. Here it is up on the screen. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children. And may your descendants multiply and become many nations. May God pass on to you and your descendants the blessing he promised to Abraham. May you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. 
You know, it's interesting, as I read both of these blessings, it, you know, it's evident. Jacob lied and he stole. And these are the things we teach people not to do. But in those, all of a sudden, he starts getting all the attention from his dad that he may have never gotten growing up. Two blessings. Two blessings. Blessings that were both by right the oldest son, and Jacob didn't do a thing to earn them. Not a thing. In fact, if, if anything, he did things not to earn them. God himself verified those blessings. Validified. I know that's not a word, but I'm going to coin it. He verified and validified those blessings while Jacob was fleeing to his uncle's house. You guys remember the story of Jacob's ladder, right? The stairway to heaven. God gave him a great blessing. It was this. Genesis chapter 28, verses 13 to 15. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Sounds very familiar and similar to what he's done before. God said, what's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. What a blessing. What a blessing. Even though in my mind the kid hasn't done anything at all to deserve it. In fact, as I read the rest of just that story, the term barren comes up again in my mind. Because as I read the rest of the story, I think, wow, Jacob's relationship with God really was, even his relationship with God, was one where there was a barrenness. Okay, I see that because God just said all of these great things. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's how I'm going to bless you. And Jacob's first words were this. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely God is in this place, and I didn't even know it. You know, most often we take that and think, wow, that's a crazy miracle. But I wonder, was that a representative of Jacob's spiritual life at that time? And I say that because if God was very clear and he said, look, this is what I'm going to do for you, and here's how I'm going to do it, you're going to wake up and say, sweet, right? Yes. You know what Jacob woke up and said? He said a bunch of ifs. Genesis chapter 28, verse 20 and 21. Jacob made this vow, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if... I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. When God meets you clearly in a dream, should your first words be, if, 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 then? Maybe there's a barrenness in Jacob's walk with the Lord. Let's keep going, okay? Story continues. Jacob makes it to Uncle Laban's house. He falls in love with Uncle Laban's youngest daughter. That was okay back then. It was uh, culturally... Good. Rachel was her name. She was the younger of two sisters. It was a good match. Jacob agreed to work seven years for her. Those seven years flew by, and all of a sudden, it's wedding time, right? Woohoo! Oh, you see, brokenness rear its ugly head again because Jacob gets tricked by his uncle. On his wedding night, he has given the other sister, the older sister, how he didn't know it was her baffles me. Okay? But that's beside the point. 
beside the point. He wakes up the next morning, looks over to look at his love, and it's not her. He's crazy mad. He goes and he confronts not just his uncle, but now his father-in-law. Woo! The father-in-law explains the custom, says it just can't happen. I got to give you my older sister, my older daughter before the younger daughter. And they agreed that Jacob would work another seven years so that he could get the woman he fell in love with. Another seven years. Jacob agrees to it. After the celebratory week of the wedding, he gives him the second daughter. All is good, right? No. No. Jacob goes and does exactly what his father had done to him. It's up here on the screen. Genesis 28, 29, verses 28 to 30. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years, and a week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel too. Laban gave Rachel a servant, Bilhah, to be, to be her maid. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. He loved her much more than Leah. He stayed and worked for Laban an additional seven years. Did Jacob not learn what it was like to be the unloved one? Did he really have to pass the cycle of pain and brokenness on to his wife, his first wife? Jacob, you can't play favorites like that. What happens in the story, it just gets crazy after that. Because barrenness rears its ugly head again, this time again in not being able to have a child. The favorite wife, the favorite wife, Rachel, couldn't have babies, but babies just kept popping out for everybody else. Okay, Leah started having quite a few. Rachel got jealous, gave Jacob, I'm going to make sure I get these names right. You keep me, keep me honest, okay? Rachel gave Jacob her slave, married her, had babies with her. Still no babies for Rachel. Leah got jealous, gave Jacob her slave, had babies with her. Still no babies for Rachel. I tried to figure out how many years of barrenness there was. And I sat there. It was great. I sat there. I started counting on my fingers. And then I went to the commentators, and they varied in, in distance. Anywhere from seven years all the way up to 26 years is what different commentators say that Rachel could not have babies. It doesn't matter how long it was. I imagine that there had to be many a night. Many a night where there were tears and where, where there was heated, intense fellowship. Where the two of them fought, Jacob and Rachel, about her barrenness. In fact, we get to see one of those conversations, Genesis chapter 30, verse 1 and 2. When Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, give me children or I'll die. I wouldn't want to walk by the tent at that point. No matter what time, no matter how many years it's been, long, cold, barren nights turned into long, cold, barren years. Barrenness for Rachel, brokenness for Jacob. He's got four wives. Blessed by what became a very full quiver. At least 12 sons, one daughter. There's a whole lot more to Jacob's story. I don't have time to tell it all this morning. There's his dealings with Laban's flocks, the speckled, the spotted, the striped, and the abundance that came from there. That's blessing. There's the time that Jacob snuck away with the entire family without letting Grandpa Laban kiss the grandkids. Uh, grandparents, would you like your grandkids to leave without, let, without being you know, allowed to kiss them? Raise your hand if you're a grandparent. 
Would you want your child to take their kid away without you being able to say goodbye? No, that's broken. Okay, that's broken. And then there's Jacob himself being tricked by his sons to believe that his favorite son, Joseph, had been eaten by a wild animal. That had to have put Jacob into this deep period of grief, mourning, and perhaps depression. This would have been another long season of barrenness for him. It's crazy how these three terms keep coming up over and over again. There's the later story in, in the Genesis chapter 47, 48, where Jacob gathers all of his sons to bless them. I think he learned from the experience with his dad, don't do the blessing just one at a time, but get them all in the same room, okay? There's the story of how Jacob and his family ended up in Egypt and how for the last 17 years of Jacob's life, God blessed him. But in reality, that was the start of a story of barrenness and brokenness for the Israelite people who would for 430 years be slaves in that land. It is hard to tell all of Jacob's story in one sitting, but if you were to have a cup of coffee with him and to say, Jacob, tell me your story, let's play a little bit of the ungame, I think the themes that would rise to the top over and over again would be barren, broken, and blessed. I would encourage you to read the entire story this week and see if that's what you see also. So First Church, our, our theme for the year is God's story, our story, your story. My question for you this morning is, do you see your story at all intertwined in Jacob's? Do you see those themes at all rising up in your story? I'm guessing you do. Okay, I'm guessing you do because woven in and embedded into all the subtleties are three things that we all experience. There is a barrenness in each of us. Now, maybe this deals with years of not being able to have kids. Maybe it deals with years of wanting to have approval in a certain relationship and that never comes. Maybe it deals with years and years of just a dry and, and arid faith with God and you want so much more, but you just feel like you're stuck in the desert Maybe today you feel barren, or maybe you felt it in the past. Perhaps the word that rises at the top for you this afternoon or this morning is broken. More than fair to think of all of us with broken parts to our stories, right? We say things, do things, think things that have us and other people saying, why did you do that? That's messed up. We have hurting relationships. We have unmet expectations on how life is supposed to be. We get sick. We get depressed. We, in more than one occasion, I'd wager that most of us have said what Jacob's mom said. God, why is this happening to me? We are broken people. And I would guess that every one of us, to some degree, would say we are a blessed people. Would. You know, and our first thoughts go to, hey, I'm, I'm healthy, I've got a house, I've got a job, I've got kids that love me, I've got a church family. That's not the type of blessing I want to talk about this morning. If you know the big picture story of God, if you know how relationship was broken and God did everything he could through Jesus Christ to restore that relationship, if you know that God is offering you free forgiveness of sin and acceptance into the family of God, and if you know that there is absolutely nothing you have done to do that, you realize you are blessed. Because Jacob didn't do anything. In fact, he did everything not to deserve God's blessing, and yet God blessed him over and over and over. You and I have not done anything to deserve God's blessing. In fact, we've done everything to not deserve it. And yet over and over and over, God has blessed us. Broken, 
barren, blessed. My guess is that each one of you somehow fits into that story or at some point in your life has fit into that story. So here's how we're going to finish this morning. Call this my pastoral attempt at playing the ungame. Okay, I want everybody to grab your connection card. Talked about it earlier. Everybody grab that connection card. And what I want you to start thinking about is this. What part of this morning stood out to you? Okay? It could have been a song that we sang. It could have been something that was said in the announcements. It could have been something that was said in the prayers. It could have been something during the sermon. You know, a brokenness, a blessedness, a barrenness. What stood out to you this morning? We're going to give you a little bit of time to think and reflect, and then I want you to write down what stood out. Okay? If it's just one word, write it down. If you want to write one word and then explain it, do that. If you don't want to write anything at all, but you just want this to be between you and God, do that also. You have permission for that. Ultimately, what I want you to do is I want you to think through what stood out today, and then I want you to give it to God and invite him into it. Invite him into it. By that, I mean this. I don't want to just use churchy language that we don't understand. If what stood out to you was the idea of Jacob's brokenness, and this morning you're feeling broken, I want you to invite God into that and say, God, this morning I feel broken. I I need you to fix me. But I'm going to trust that you're going to do it in your time. If this morning you're, you're feeling blessed, I want you to tell God all the things you're thankful for. Invite him into that and then say, God, I know it's not just stuff, but it's your eternal acceptance of me. Invite him into what you write down. Here's why I'm asking you to do this. I fully believe that on any given Sunday, God wants to speak to you. And sometimes it's that thing that stood out. And that's how God is choosing to speak to you. So we just really want to give you that opportunity to hear from And it could be that simple thing of, wow, that really hit me this morning. So we're going to give you a little time to reflect, to think, to pray. Tim's going to come up. He's going to strum quietly in the background. After we have some time to think, I'm going to stand up. We'll pray for offering. We'll invite the ushers forward, and then we'll pass the offering plates Uh, During that time, put your your, your tithes, your offerings in a plate. And also, if you want, put your connection card in there. And I'll promise you this. If your name is on that card, you will be prayed for by name this week. And if your name is not on the card, you will be prayed for uh, in thought without your name. Okay, we want to take this opportunity to give God the chance to say, 